0: The following is a production of SAK Digital Ventures. Welcome to Cigars and Sports Chicago, a
1: place where you can sit back, relax, smoke a cigar, and talk about Chicago sports. Now, here's your host, Steve Cass. Welcome to Cigars and Sports Chicago episode 29 the Justin Fields uh-oh edition. You have reached the best place for chi- for cigars and Chicago sports. Let me set the scene as we usually do. We're going to talk about some cigars and Chicago sports and maybe some other stuff and we're doing it at the place 5236 Main Street in Downers Grove, Illinois. The place is a fantastic cigar lounge, has great selection, great place to hang out, watch a game. Come by the place, Downers Grove, Illinois, 5236 Main Street. And you can follow us on Twitter at Cigars and Sports. And you can get this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. But you know that because you're listening to a podcast. So, as always, I want to introduce my co-host, Phil Sullivan. Phil, what are you smoking and how are you doing? Oh, man,
0: doing great. It was a great weekend of football. Uh, I'm I'm, uh, just enjoying one of my uh, fan favorites here, just having a Fuente Hemingway Classic. Yes, another great weekend of football. NFL football and I think we got a lot to talk about our Justin Fields edition here. So uh, start it up, Steve. Let's see what we can do here.
1: I am also smoking Arturo Fuente short story. I like, I like the short and I am liking it tonight. So Phil, obviously we got to talk about the Bears. I think we should have a bit of a wider NFL conversation. I've also got a White Sox topic that I want to run by you. But first, we're going to talk about for the first time ever, and probably the last time ever, we're going to talk about a sport called soccer. And I and I love bringing this up because I know that soccer, you know, is your guilty pleasure sport that we normally don't talk about, just like me with NASCAR. You know, I know you have uh, some kids that played soccer for, you know, for many years. And the World Cup, at least for the U.S., started today. Um, they tied one-to-one with Wales. I don't think I've ever really watched a soccer game before, and I did watch a lot of this game, at least on mute in the background, and I watched by the last little while with the sound on. So some observations that I made for those of you that do not ever watch soccer, because you probably will have the same uh, questions or observations I do. Number one observation, I bet on the game and i am not i am not embarrassed to say that i bet on wales to beat the us the game was 1-1 so of course i go to my account on bet rivers afterwards i'm like whatever at least i'll get my money back i look at it and i learned something about soccer betting what it, when you bet on a team to win if that team does not win hence if they lose or tie you lose the friggin bet so i thought i pushed i went in there to go find my money and i actually tied Um, And I actually lost the bet. So that sucks. I won't be betting on World Cup soccer. Maybe I'll bet on Iran versus the U.S., but let's see how that goes. A couple things about soccer. Maybe you could fill me in on this. First of all, I'm sitting here wondering why the hell, when they have all these injuries and all these fake injuries, these guys laying down and all this stuff, the clock never stops, which I think I remembered. The first thing, obviously, you realize, and I had remembered this maybe from the last World Cup, that somehow they have it all confused and the clock goes in the wrong direction. Um, It counts up instead of down. But but they don't stop for injuries. And then when it gets to 90 minutes, and and here's my first question for you. So they have this thing, extra time. I believe that's what it's called. Stoppage time. And the referee adds time at the end of the game, which makes sense to me. But is it true that it's discretionary how much time the referee adds? They just add whatever they want?
0: Well, you're right. They do have whatever they want. And it's called stoppage time. And, you know, it's one of the, you know, bugs in uh, soccer, which by the way, anywhere else in the world is called football. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do. I have come through the years of watching my sons play soccer at, at, and move up to different levels all the way through varsity and high school. And I came to uh, really enjoy the game, the period of the game and, Come to the realization that they got rules that we're not going to change. These rules have been around for a long time. So, Americans like to change things if they don't like things. And uh, as we see in all professional sports in this country, uh, but soccer is not going to change. They're not changing for America. They're not changing for anybody. But if I was to change something, yeah, I would like to think that when a guy goes down with his injury, which 80% of the time is a fake injury that they literally stop the clock. And when they get up or they take them off on a stretcher or whatever they do, uh, then they start the clock again because, yes, it is fully up to the referee's discretion. He's got a little wristwatch. Supposed to supposedly takes a glance at it, and he knows how many minutes get added. And then they do add the minutes. Like tonight, they added nine minutes. But even that was hypothetical because during the nine minutes, play stopped a few more times, and you really don't know the exact second. You really can't count it down. As a fan, and watch, there's 20 seconds left, 10 seconds, you don't know.
1: Well, don't people complain about this?
0: Well, it's just been going on as old as the sport is, so I guess, once again, it's not going to change. Wait a minute. So then the game just ends whenever the referee
1: decides that it ends?
0: Correct. You'll all of a sudden hear the referee blow the whistle, and that is it. But as a fan watching the game, you're not actually watching a clock countdown once it gets into stoppage time.
1: So it's kind of like sudden death, but the decision is made by the referee. So what other things, um, what other observations did you make about the U.S. versus Wales game today?
0: Well, I mean, the observation I made with U.S. soccer is, I believe it still has a long way to go. I mean, this round is the preliminary round, and it's to get into the round of 16, which is really the meat of the tournament. And, you know, if they're talking about the U.S. with this tie, May kind of have a difficult time because what they're are in a round of four teams. Each team plays each other. There's three games, three matches, and the best two teams uh, move on to the round of sixteen. So the U.S. has a tie. Uh, Iran is horrible. I think England beat them something like seven to one or seven to two. Uh, so let's assume we beat Iran, and then we got to play England, who is a elite elite football team will more than likely lose to them so we're going to end up out of this round with a loss and a tie uh, and a win and unfortunately if Wales ends up with the same thing they go ahead and they beat Iran and then they lose to England they're going to have the same thing so it'll be interesting to see if uh, the U.S. moves on but we'll see I mean it's certainly better than a loss and uh, but if they get to the round of 16 what I'm saying is they're getting in as one of the low-end teams so the odds of getting very far in this tournament are probably slim let's put it that way
1: all right so that's enough kickball can we talk about the bears for a minute uh yeah i think we might have a couple minutes with the bears so the bears lost 27 24 to the atlanta falcons yesterday in atlanta they were once again right on the cusp of winning as they have been several times where they have not won Um, they have dropped to three and eight, and I believe they've lost seven of their last eight games. So things are not going well. The defense was absolutely horrendous. There were a couple of highlights, um, that Cole Komet catch, um, in the first half was unbelievable. That one, um, ball that, uh, that fields through to David Montgomery, um, down the sideline, he threw it right in the basket. That was, you know, that was absolutely fantastic. I don't know about that decision that uh, that Iberflus made to kick that 56-yard field goal when we know that Kyro Santos is incredibly accurate from sort of reasonable range under 50 and just does not have a big leg where, you know, he missed that 56-yard field goal. So that was a problem and I think would have ended the half a lot better. Uh, that half would have ended a lot better if that had not happened. But here's really where this game comes down to and we've called this the Justin Fields uh-oh episode and the reason that we have is because Fields got hurt. So he's got a shoulder injury. He got it the on that last drive the first play where he went out of bounds. But here's the thing, right? So it was pretty clear that in the second half there was something going on with his hamstring. He was getting it rubbed down and stretched out and everything on the sideline, you know, in between series. And it was obvious that they were trying to not have him run at least for some period of time and It's also clear that he did not have the usual zip, meaning from a running standpoint that he normally has but somehow, on that last drive where they had an opportunity to win the ball game, they ran the ball the the first time they ran the ball, clearly he didn't have any zip, he goes out of bounds, lands on his left shoulder, and injures his left shoulder. He gets up holding the shoulder. And then what do they do the next time they run the ball again? And then it's third and 10, you know, we're close to third and 10. And then he throws that pick, throws it high. It's tipped and they, and you know, it's caught and the game is over. So now we've got the guy um, being carted off to the locker room after the game. You know, I don't know how bad the hamstring is. We don't know what is wrong Um, With the shoulder We don't know if it's separated We don't think it's a collarbone Because if that was the case You know, it would have shown up on the x-ray We probably would have heard about that So, you know, it might be a sprain We don't know what it is of course, the NFL being what it is, Eberflu says today that Fields is day to day and will give you more information on Wednesday. I would not anticipate that Fields is going to play this weekend. I would be very surprised if he plays before the bye. You know, we really have no idea, but he seemed injured as hell. And if you saw when he came off at the end of the game, uh, they zoomed in on his face and he was crying when he came off the field in, in agony, uh, in pain. But I guess the question is, Obviously, there are a lot of people that would say, um, and I'm not going to say where I fall on this, and then I'll go on a rant after uh, after you have your piece, but there are many people who are saying that, obviously, Fields, we know he can run. He went into the game yesterday sixth in the NFL in rushing. He set all sorts of quarterback rushing records. So, we know the guy can run. We're in a development year. Have the guy throw the football more. Why do you have him running? And why do you have him running when you know that he was hurt? At least the hamstring was hurt, and then he ended up hurting the shoulder. So what is your take on that whole thing? Do you blame Luke Getze? You know, kind of what's your take on this whole injury situation with him? Well, I, you know,
0: a lot of it's similar to what you have. But, you know, one thing I observed while the game was going on, it seemed to me there were more – Uh, designed run plays for fields than I've seen with any quarterback in a long time. I'm not talking fade back and then having to scramble. I'm talking, take the snap and start running design run plays for the quarterback. I don't think it's a good idea for his longevity in the NFL to have that many design run plays, you know, sure. We got quarterbacks that run a lot, uh, you know, that, you know, get hit as much as he does. But, uh, you know, he could be a different type of player as far as how he takes hits. You know, I'm still skeptical. This is a guy that played for Ohio State, uh, played 10, 11 games a season, played probably 75% of his games against teams like Indiana and Rutgers and Maryland and Minnesota and, you know, Northwestern. Uh, He played for an elite team that had elite blockers. I think this guy spent his college career probably not getting whacked that many times. You know he he's almost a test incubator right now to see how he can handle this, but I think the Bears put him in some horrible positions yesterday to just keep getting pounded. It was obviously that this guy was hurting, you know, I'm concerned about his passing. He threw two or three passes into the back of guy's helmets. you know he had to do a jump he had to do a jump pass at the end of the game because he was hurting. Was he psychologically just trying to make sure he could get it over to linemen's heads? Uh, I'm not sure, but this guy, he's got a ways to go. And now he's going into a part of the season where, you know, in college he never played this many games. And the other thing, in college, you know, when he was playing those teams I mentioned, he was playing against college kids. You know what? He's playing every week against NFL. He's playing against the best of the best. Guys are as fast. Guys can hit hard. He's got a shit offensive line. I I, I worry that, you know, this guy might not prove out to be what we might have thought he was going to be. but you know what? Everybody wants to keep giving him a try. He's a, he's a great guy and all that good stuff. But uh, I questioned Getzee and the offensive play calling for the Bears yesterday for the first time this year. I really did. I, uh, I'm a little concerned about what their thought process was and what they were making fields do there, especially in the second half.
1: Well, I'm, I am bought in on fields. I've already done my 180 on that. So I'm not, I'm not worried about that. You know, I guess here's my take. I have a little bit of a different take than a lot of other people do on this. I understand the whole idea that we don't we don't want 15 design runs, you know, every game. Yesterday, by the way, he had 18 carries for 85 yards. You know, some of those were design runs, some of those were scrambles. But my issue is, I've come around to the idea that yeah, we know the guy can run, so. Let's have him pass more because clearly he needs to just get more attempts, get more reps. You know, we want to, you know, we're, we're, Komet is starting to come around, so throw him some more balls. We got to see what we got with this Chase Chase Claypool. I know they run more often um, and throw less than any other team in the NFL. I get all of that. But the problem that I have is, is on those last two, those last two plays at the end of the game, when, Everyone knew that he had the hamstring problem, meaning that, you know, it's not like Getzy didn't know he had a hamstring thing, because we saw on TV, he was getting the thing, you know, rubbed down between every time he went to the sideline. So why the hell, when you know you have a compromised quarterback, why are you having him run? And after you saw him get up holding his shoulder, don't you at least give him a break on the next play? So so if something happens on the next play, don't put him in a third long where everyone knows that he has to throw. So I really, really question that a lot. And frankly, I want to hear from Luke Getzey this week on why he did that because that sounds absolutely – I mean, it just seemed crazy to me. I just don't understand why they did it. And I couldn't help but think if you remember – The first Derrick Rose knee blowout when he was on the court at a time where there was no, it was a blowout. There was no reason for him to be out there. And he goes and blows his knee out. And the first time he's out for, you know, a year and a half. Um, It just reminded me of that. And I don't know what is wrong with that shoulder, but it's a problem. And, frankly, I know it's a non-throwing shoulder, but if he's compromised and, you know, a 3-8 and team, it's not going to make the playoffs, I don't want him out there. I don't think they should shut him down for the sake of shutting him down. If he's healthy, even if it's the last two games, you know, put him out there. I think he needs more reps. But, good God, like, why do you have him run on those two plays? I just can't figure it out. And I'll tell you this: as a friggin' Bears fan, if he is not playing this weekend, and uh, speaking of quarterbacks, by the way, the Jets Zach Wilson, um, the coach Robert Sala today said he don't count on Zach Wilson starting this weekend. Man, he he's been really bad, and he was really bad yesterday. But what in the hell are we even gonna watch? We've got a bunch of scrubs on defense. We don't have we have no offensive line. We got you know a couple of decent weapons on you know on offense and now the other thing that was screwed up about that game yesterday too is don't think they did not miss khalil herbert because they did i don't know what the hell we're going to watch for the next you know six weeks if this guy doesn't play but i but going back to my original point i question the last two calls that that's my i don't know what in the hell gets you
0: was thinking there well i question another question you, you brought it up with khalil herbert not being in they had a couple times where they had the ball in the red zone in the first half. And when I say the red zone, I meant first and goal on the eight or the nine and kind of two series in a row where they ran the ball on first down and second down. And they got nowhere on both the series. And, you know, you only got one running back. So they're keying in on that running back. You know, I would like to see the bears maybe start throwing the ball on first down or second down. Cause both times third down, we know they're going to pass. And, uh, you know, both drives accomplished nothing as far as a touchdown. Yeah, you know, what's uncanny is how the Bears have kind of stayed in these games. So they they have kept you watching the game if you tuned in. Yeah, uh, they haven't been blown out of these games, that's for sure. And I, I think we mentioned it yesterday when we were watching the game together. There's there's at least three games out there that that very well could have been victories, including yesterday. Um, oh but, yeah. You know, it's for as bad as the team is. They certainly keep you watching, but uh, I don't know. It's going to be brutal. They've got five home games in December at, in cold weather, uh, so it's just it's going to be interesting. They do got to buy probably one of the latest buys in the NFL. You know, and it's not for two more weeks, which uh, you know should help a little um, as far as fields goes. But uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they play down the stretch. because, uh, you know, look who they got to play. I mean, they got the. Eagles, well, I wouldn't be got
1: surprised if they lose. Yeah, they got the Bills, they got the Eagles. You know, it would have been nice to have, you know, hopefully Fields will be able to play against the Packers, which is, you know, next weekend. So I'm not very optimistic. That obviously is an opportunity, you know, for a kind of signature win, if you want to call it that. But I'm not optimistic going to win any of these games. You know, another kind of weird thing, that I was thinking about today that hasn't come up. When we hated Justin Fields the first five games of the year when he was playing like crap and I said he was the worst quarterback in the league and I had to uh, go on the Mea Culpa tour um, a couple of weeks ago because now I'm totally bought into him. Interestingly enough, if you remember... They started out um, 3-1, and so when he was playing like crap, they actually somehow were winning those games, and I know the defense has gotten a lot worse since then, and since he's been playing well, they've actually been in all these games, and they've played really well in a lot of them, and they have lost games based on defense, but it's funny how I guess defense counts for something because the offense has been putting up you know, thirty points a game put up twenty four yesterday, so a little bit less. Um, but they've lost those games, which is um, you know, which is interesting. So you say you're not bought into Fields or not fully bought in. You're not dissing them, but so tell me what quarterbacks you would rather have than Fields. And so I'm not putting you on the spot. Let's go through a few. Let's go through what I view as the top ten quarterbacks. So who would you rather have, Mahomes or Fields? Okay, next. I'm kidding. Um, who would you rather have, Josh Allen or Fields?
0: Question mark there. Really? No, I'm only kidding. You. Uh Josh
1: Allen is far. Okay, away. here's what interested in. So, who would you rather have? And I'm not saying necessarily just for this year. I'm saying if you had to have a guy for the next five years, who would you rather have, Jalen Hurts or Fields? Fields. I'm trying to be unbiased. I would rather have Fields just because he's our guy. But Jalen Hurts has played really, really well this year. You know, the guy's, you know, completing 68% of his passes. I mean, he runs really well. He makes really good decisions. So I am going to go with Fields. But Jalen Hurts, uh, you know, he was good last year, and he's turned out to be really just, I, I would say, almost great this year. Okay, Lamar Jackson or Fields? Lamar Jackson. Yeah, me too. I mean, Lamar Jackson won a Super Bowl. All right, so Tua or Fields? Tua. Really? Yeah. yeah okay, Tua I mean, Tua. that's not crazy. Um, I would rather have Fields. I just think he's got, you know, higher upside. I realize Tua is having a fantastic year. He's got, you know, he's completing 71% of his passes, you know, 18 touchdown passes, three interceptions. So, I mean, clearly he's having a great year. Okay, so, I got, or I, I
0: got I got one for you. How about – justin herbert or fields aha i got you there
1: uh do you watch the game last night yeah but i'd rather have justin herbert i feel like justin herbert so I. i feel like justin herbert i feel like justin herbert is the best sort of younger pure pocket passer in the nfl and i hate saying it but i love justin herbert so um i'd probably rather have justin herbert by the way, I'm not dissing Fields. I think he's a franchise quarterback, but I probably would. So, what do you think about Burrow or Fields? Oh, Burrow. Hands down. Well, of course you would say that. No comment. All right. So right now, the NFL quarterback ratings, they actually rank Fields as the seventh, um, the seventh best quarterback in the NFL, which I think is is interesting. Um, you know, you can agree with that or not agree with that because Again, if you're just looking at I'm I'm use, when I say top 10, I'm using the power the nfl.com power rankings that are updated every week. So number 8 but is I think Geno- a lot,
0: I think a lot has to do with his rushing.
1: Well, I mean well, it, yeah, I think has a
0: lot to do with rushing.
1: I mean, I'm not I'm not disagreeing, right? but the bottom line is that, you know, one way or another, the guy the guy's putting up 30 points a game um, and you know, the, he will be better. All right, so Geno Smith who frankly is in the MVP conversation, went into the went into the yesterday um at seventy three percent passing uh you know completion rate, you know, at seventeen TDs and, and four interceptions. So I mean I think we can we agree that even though Geno Smith has been great this year, wouldn't you rather have Fields and Geno Smith? No. You'd rather have Geno Smith. Yes. Yeah, I would. Okay. I, I, yeah, I think Dewey. it's a passing league.
0: I'm sorry. I don't think he's taking his 3rd primus land with his legs. I don't think but it's
1: going to happen. He, but he's improving as a passer, and I believe that he's going to continue to improve. Tom Brady or, or Fields? I mean,
0: right now? I mean, for the future, it's got to yeah, be Fields. No, right
1: now. Right it's now. Gotta be, it's sure. got to be Fields. I mean, all right, fine. Dak Prescott or Fields?
0: Uh, uh That's a coin toss.
1: Kirk Cousins or Fields? Fields. Okay, here's the most fun one on the list, so you must know what's coming. (laughs) Aaron Rodgers or Fields?
0: (laughs) Uh, I would take Aaron Rodgers still today for this
1: year. Okay, so if I had to sign somebody.
0: I hate Aaron Rodgers. You know how I feel about it. If I had
1: to sign somebody right now to a two-year deal, like after this year, I, I hate to say this. Um, good, you know, to our millions of listeners, I think I'd still rather have Aaron Rodgers. All right. Um, Justin Herbert, we already talked about. Then we go to the bums, you know, Garoppolo, Ryan Tannehill. Oh, here's an interesting one Trevor Lawrence or Fields? Fields. Daniel Jones or Fields? Fields. Derek Carr
0: or Fields? Oh, that's a questionable one. I mean, Derek Carr's having a horrible year. I get it, but, uh, uh, He's he's well he's a good athlete but Fields is a good athlete too but um what's, what's Derek Carr's passing rate what's his percentage
1: uh, his I actually don't have it in front of me his passing percentage is sixty two point four and by the way Fields again because he, you know he got off to a terrible start um, Justin Fields got a fifty eight point nine percent passing percentage you know, 12 touchdown passes, seven interceptions, six rushing TDs, obviously leading the NFL. He's also leading the NFL in fumbles, 12 fumbles, but not all of them are lost, you know, sixth overall in, in, uh, in rushing. Um, then I think we just go to bums, you know, Trevor Lawrence, I would rather have fields. I think I'd rather have fields in any of the, Um, the, the last year quarterback or the year before quarterback class where fields came from Derek Carr, Matt Ryan, Jacoby Brissett, Jared Goff. I think we've gone down the list far enough. So, yeah, I think that's, I think that's an interesting conversation, but I think that absolutely fields has an opportunity to be over the next couple of years, assuming that he's, uh, assuming that he's healed and assuming that he can protect himself and, uh, you know, not, um, You know, and hopefully pass more than he runs. I think he can. uh, He can be a top five quarterback in the NFL. Hey, let's have some general NFL conversation. Number one, I say when I'm wrong, and now I would like to say when I'm right. Where was the home Buffalo Bills game this week, Phil? Uh,
0: Well, it was in Detroit.
1: Yeah, and and what was the snow on the field in Detroit?
0: Oh yeah, it was. uh, I think zero which is what happens when you have a dome. Okay, so to all you the listeners, snow doesn't
1: creep in there at all. I hang around with a bunch of dudes that are very hard to change their mind about anything and one of the and i will fully admit that one of the issues that i have as a human being is that sometimes when i'm going into my takes or my opinions or my positions that i do frequently sound like i'm trying to convince people of something that they're not going to be convinced of no matter what yes i do get that but every once in a while i am able to convince something i would like to say before i brought up the point that every NFL game should be played in a dome. You were ro- rolling your eyes, thought it was the dumbest thing you ever heard, or whatever. Phil, where should every NFL game be played?
0: Well, every NFL game after about October twentieth should be in the dome. So I still, I, like mean, out- I still, still like outdoor football. Don't get me wrong. No. And but yes, I am. If you want me to admit that I'm leaning slightly towards. Your opinion on every NFL game is better in a dome. It's certainly better on TV in a dome. Um, yes, there's no excuses for the two teams. They're going to play how they play. It's not going to be like Soldier Field where the turf might be on the field. The turf might not be on the field. Uh, there could be potholes. There could be all sorts of bullshit going on. Well, you
1: say you say October. Uh, we had a game this year, the Chicago Bears versus the uh, Santa Clara 49ers. That was and- soon. Right. Yeah, that should be, right. You want, I, don't, I don't need to see that. I don't right. need that. Right. Play the goddamn games in a dome. And by the way, Buffalo, which had six feet of friggin' snow, um, is building a $1.3 billion outdoor stadium. So what are they going to do? They're going to include financing so they can friggin' bust the team to Detroit when it snows? What a joke. All right, all games should be played in domes. So um, what would you think about – so a couple highlights – what did you think of that Dallas Minnesota game yesterday? Forty to three. And Dallas had come off of that sort of bad loss against Green Bay after Green Bay lost five in a row last week. Um, but what do you think about um, what do you think about Dallas beating well, Minnesota? Uh, if you, if you remember, three. I made a
0: comment before that game, you know, that Minnesota was a sneaky eight and one. Sneaky meaning not a lot of press, not a lot of people talking about them. And I made the comment that, you know. We'll find out against the Cowboys whether they're contenders or pretenders, and uh, I think the Cowboys took them to task. Um, you know they're still eight and two. You know they got a good record, um, but you know we'll see how it moves forward for them. The Vikings got a good team. Don't get me wrong; but they're they're one of the you know top teams. But I, will they advance? I don't know. After seeing that game, Cowboys got a really good football team. They're they're right up there. Them are the Eagles for in the NFC. Uh I don't know where Minnesota's gonna stand. Be interested to see how they played on the stretch.
1: Well, here's all you need to know about Minnesota. They've had a good year. They're eight and two. I think they've been coached really well. Kirk Cousins you know, as usual at noon on Sundays has been really good and not good other than that, but they have a negative point differential. They have given up more points than they have scored, which for an eight and two team is unbelievable if you think about it. Meaning that they're winning a bunch of close games and they've they have not done well. in the, you know, in the two games they've lost. Um, what did you think of that? Uh, what you think of that KC Chargers game last night?
0: It almost brought back memories of a couple of those AFC playoff games last year. It was one of the more entertaining best games i've seen this year that was a Indeed, you know, and i'm and it just brought, and it brought out once again how i feel about justin herbert as a quarterback uh, i mean it was that was a good football game
1: say what you want but last night i became more convinced than ever that patrick mahomes is one of the all-time greatest quarterbacks in the history of the league i mean we all know all the crazy stuff the guy does but the point is When there was a minute and 31 seconds left when the Chiefs were down, I guess, by four, and they needed to come back, you know, and score a touchdown, you knew – that they were just going to roll down the field. Like, you knew that, um, and that is exactly what happened. They scored, you know, in a minute. They still, In fact, they still had to, you know, deal with, uh, you know, the Chargers getting the ball back with that last 30 seconds. And I'm just telling you, Mahomes is unbelievable. He drove them right down the field. Um, he, he and Kelsey are just one hell of a combination, and um, that is one hell of a team. And I, I don't think there's any question that the AFC Championship – goes through kansas city although it is interesting because there are a whole bunch of teams that are at that are only a game behind them and buffalo does have the tiebreaker on them so they do need to continue to win but i think until it's not that kansas city is the team to beat so who do you think is the best team um who do you think is the best team in the uh, in the NFC? I know you you know you'd mentioned the Eagles. I mean, because I'm all over the frigging Dallas Cowboys right now. They look good. They've got the best defense in the league. They're only giving up 16.9 points a game. Um, their offense is starting to look a lot better since he came back from the mo- most recent injury. Dak Prescott is is playing well. I feel really good about them. I realize they do not have a good history um, in the playoffs in in modern history, but you know, what do you think about the N- NFC?
0: Uh, well, yeah, I mentioned it before. I, I like Philly. I like the way they're playing. Uh, once again, I think, I think Minnesota, till so they can, you know, see how they play at the end of the year. They got a decent team, but you know, you get down to the NFC South, NFC West, you know, Tampa, Atlanta, Seattle, you know, forget about it. You know, I think you got Philly, you got Dallas, you know, that could be, yeah. I mean, the giants, giants are playing pretty good. I think giants are seven and three. Um, they got a pretty good team, but they're all in the same division. So, uh, I mean, at least they're in the same division you know, with Dallas and uh, Philly. So, that'll be interesting how that plays out. But, I mean, you got probably three of the best teams in the NFC are all in the same division. So, which is the
1: team that is blowing my mind right now is the Washington Commanders. Right. Since, you know, since um, Taylor Heineke. Yeah started quarterbacking they've won four of their last five you know offensively they're playing well i mean they're scoring some points that defense is amazing they're going to be getting back um you know the defensive end uh you know chase young and i guess next week they look they look good like well, and i'm yeah, not that funny.
0: goes back to what i'm just saying you could have the yeah. top four teams in the nfc are all in the same division you know, it also now, that, my- if you want to go by record you got minnesota And everybody else is mediocre at best.
1: It also looks like the New Jersey football dream is over. Um, Now the Giants and the Jets both can't win a game. So they're back to normal. Um, You know, it is possible that, you know, either one or both of them could make the, uh, could make the playoffs, but, that Jets offense, I mean, I think even the Bears are going to be able to stop that, which is unfortunate that, you know, I think it's, we don't know, but I think it's highly unlikely that Fields will play this weekend because that's certainly a winnable game for them because the Bears are scoring points. But, um, yeah, it's kind of unfortunate situation. So you got anything else in the NFL? How'd your betting go this weekend?
0: Uh, you know, I just kind of laid off, didn't do anything this weekend. So it was uh, I, I won a goofy uh, strip card pool at the at the cigar lounge, so that worked out okay. But, uh, you know, other than that, uh, I kind of laid off some things this weekend.
1: I, as usual, had my fantastic performance. I lost every game that I bet on except for the Dallas-Minnesota game. So, I'm doing great, as always. Um, you know, I thought the Bears would cover. That didn't work out very well. I thought the Chiefs would cover. That didn't work out very well. So, let's go to one White Sox point before we get to the end. So, we are – the hot stove is burning. Um we know the White Sox have to make some moves, and I thought there was a, you know, very interesting. I thought there's a very interesting move made by the Dodgers this week, as they uh, did not extend the qualifying offer um, and basically non-tendered Cody Bellinger, the former National League Rookie of the Year and the former National League um, MVP. And he's out there. Interestingly, he also, his agent, Scott Boris, is saying that he only wants to sign a one-year deal because he wants to, you know, he wants an opportunity to come back um, and sign a big deal after next year. So you know he is a, he's an excellent outfielder. He is a 1.2 WAR last year. Um, hit 210, you know, 265 on base percentage, 389 uh, slugging, 650, you know, 654 OPS. So he slashed terrible. The last two years, he's been one of the worst hitters in baseball. Um, but you know, you can't help but go back to that 2019 where the guy hit 47 home runs drove in 150 uh, 115 runs um and he slashed 305 406 629 with a 1.035 um OPS you know won the friggin MVP so if you could get Cody Bellinger for a one year deal for 10 or 12 million knowing that you need both a right fielder and a left fielder and Bellinger is a center fielder. So you'd probably put him in left because you're not going to move Luis Robert. And you knew it was a one year deal. Would you sign Cody Bellinger for, for 10 million?
0: Yeah, I I'd, I'd sign Cody Bellinger in a heartbeat. why he went into such a quick slump. I have no idea. God, I hope he didn't get the uh, LA Dodger, Steve Sachs, jinx. You know, I'd sign him in a heartbeat. I, and I think a lot of, Players, when they switch leagues, things seem to change for them, usually for the better, uh, at least elite players when they switch leagues. Um, so, you know, uh, you know, we'll see. But I would take him in a heartbeat. He certainly is a gold-glove outfielder. He could switch to left field. It wouldn't be a problem switching from center field to left field for him uh, with his level of uh, how he plays the outfield. And, uh, you know, the hitting, um, you know, Maybe it comes back. I mean, it's not like the guy was an MVP eight, ten years ago and you're trying to bring back some past glory. You know, this is only two years ago this guy was the best in the league. So
1: Well, it was, uh, it was I would
0: it was three years ago. Yeah. Three I years would take ago. Him a heart,
1: I would take him in a heartbeat. So for ten or 10 I definitely million. would I would definitely not take him. So and you know, as we mentioned, he <laughs> He had a six fifty four ops last year the year before in twenty in uh and he played one hundred and forty four games last year played ninety five games in twenty twenty one in which he slashed one sixty five two 302 for an ops of five forty two so over the last two years this guy's literally the worst hitter in baseball this guy's like here here's the thing grandal is a better hitter than this guy the last two years so I don't know, man, because the last thing I want to do is, you know, we go out, we sign Cody Bellinger, we make a few moves. We know that if there is any opportunity to win, we're in that window now. Whether you want to say we are or we're not, we are. If, if there's going to be an opportunity for the White Sox to win, it's going to have to be basically next year. They're going to have to turn things around and get better based on a lot of the contract situations they have going on. And I don't know that we want to be, you know, stuck with Cody Bellinger and then we're doing this podcast on May 15th finding out that he's hitting, you know, 168 and driven in one run and he's got a pulled hamstring, like, I I don't know, man. And you look at his stat cast numbers, he doesn't hit the ball very hard. Uh, I, I don't want him. Okay. <laughs> I don't uh, want him. But, you know, the Sox
0: are going to, you know, because of the salaries they're tied to because of their cap space, which is limited, um, you know, the White Sox – Are going to have to make some hard choices. You know, they're, they're, you know, it's it's not like it's all in their ballpark to go pick and choose who they want. They got there's going to be a lot of hard choices they got to make. You know this this winter, no doubt about it. Well, we'll we'll see. I mean, I mean, uh, risky choices. Let's put it that way. You know, they're going to have to take some chances. There's no doubt
1: about it. Yep, and and obviously, you know, by uh, cap space, you mean their self their their self imposed salary cap because they had. You know, there was the seventh highest-paid um, team in baseball last year. Uh, you know, two hundred six million, and I would guess that this year they're going to—they're going to—you know—it's going to be no more than that. They've saved a little bit of money from uh, from uh, uh, AJ Pollock flipping them off and taking his five million a walk, and you know they got rid of uh, Josh Harrison. He had a two million dollar buyout. So they saved a few million there. We're not going to have future Hall of Famer. Um, Adam Engel back. They non-tendered him. They non-tendered that other future Hall of Famer, Famer, uh, Danny Mendick, so we're not going to have him back. Um, You know, maybe we'll get lucky and they won't have Larry Garcia back. But we're just going to see how this plays out. They're going to make some moves. And, all right, so if they were going to trade, let's make a prediction. If they're going to make one big trade, who do you think it's going to be? Pick pick two. No. Yeah, who do you think that they will out – they've got – they've got a few guys that they could get value for that they're going to trade. So if you had to pick two guys and you had to rent and say, they're going to trade one of the two guys, which one would you rank the, the most likely to be traded? And the second most likely uh,
0: Robert, no, not Robert Jimenez.
1: You think he's most likely to get traded? Yes. Why do you and, say that?
0: And, and Anderson, I think Anderson We'll give them the most value. So, and, and, I, and they will lose the least amount of talent by getting
1: rid of them. And you, th- and you think that they're the most likely, not necessarily who you want to trade?
0: I think Anderson is probably very likely to get traded.
1: Well, I would say that, to me, the most likely guy to get traded, because he's got a lot of value, is probably Liam Hendricks. And if you've got a lousy team, I'm not sure that you need a great closer. You know, he's got two affordable years left on his deal. And, you know, particularly there's, you know, for example, the Dodgers, you know, need a closer really badly. There, You know, the, the Phillies could probably use a closer. There's teams that will give you something um, for Liam Hendricks. So, to me, he's the most likely. And I would yeah, say I say, say, agree with
0: you. If you're saying that the White Sox got another one-year window left to see what they could pull off with this time. I heard- they're going to need a great closer.
1: I I hear you. I mean, and I think that great closer is going to have to be Kendall Graveman. He pitched fairly well last year. He's been successful as a closer. I I just think that you can get a lot back for Hendricks. So, you know, I mean, I'm not – I mean, this is obviously our opinion – but that's just my thoughts. And I agree. I mean, certainly I would like to have them. But, you know, you can go two weeks in the closure and even get in the game sometimes based on what the scores are. But I would agree with you. I actually think, even though no one's talking about it, I think the second most likely guy to get traded is TA. Because you've either got to trade him or you've got to, you know, or, or trade him at the deadline, I guess. Or you've got to, um, you know, or you've got to re-sign him. And if you look at the shortstop market... And you look at how T.A. is playing, you know, you're going to have to pay him at least $180 million to $200 million. I would prefer not to pay him that. Um, at some point, you are going to have to pay a guy that much. But I would rather not give T.A. that money based on how he looked last year, based on how bad defensively he is. And I do think, as you say, too, you get a lot of value for him. I mean, the Yankees need a, you know, need a shortstop, and he probably would be a really good fit in New York. Um, so... I don't know, but I think those are the two most lo- likely guys. Well, like I well,
0: said, Hot Snow, just getting started. So,
1: Episode 29 in the books. Um, the next the next episode will be season two, although I'm not sure that we're going to go seasons on this thing. We're just going to go episode numbers, but episode 29 in the books. Um, thanks for coming today. It's been great talking to you. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. thanks.
0: Great show, I Steve. Care. Thank you.
1: I don't care. So be river who should have to come up soon for dear sweet blossom come on under the willow we can have high times if you look back we can discover the wonders of nature rolling in the rushes down by the riverside